Welcome to the Organized Investor Pod Class with Jerry Goodman and Megan Hubbard from Tennessee Wealth Management. These pod classes are an inside look at how they work with clients to organize their investments, their retirements, and their affairs. After you've listened to a number of these pod classes, you yourself may decide that you would like to discuss your personal situation with them, and they would welcome that conversation. We suggest you subscribe so you'll receive reminders about the next class. And with the tools and information on our website, theorganizedinvestor.com, you can start getting organized right now. Hello, listeners. I'm Megan Hubbard, along with my dad, Jerry Goodman. And students, we are glad you're able to join us today. You sound, like, you- you're in a good, you sound like you're in a good mood, Megan. Why wouldn't you be, Dad? We're going to be I- learning about organizing your affairs. Oh, my God. I can't wait. So exciting. I know. So maybe we shouldn't have spilled the beans on that. Although they did. They did click on the on the play button. They could see what it said. There's probably one one person left now. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. All it takes is one. Yeah. So I just want you to think of us as Megan and dad. I'm a former first grade teacher at Christian Academy of Knoxville, and my dad has been in this industry for over 40 years. Yes, he is that. I don't know if you want to say crazy or just steadfast, but Megan, that's what that's what they said about son of Sam. (laughs) Crazy. But anyway, well, we hope you have as much fun listening to these as we have recording them. After COVID, we actually migrated away from doing live workshops to pod classes because this is a much more convenient way for you to learn. And because you can listen at any time from anywhere, as long as you have the internet, obviously, it's more on your schedule and so allows you to plug into your life when needed or when appropriate. Absolutely. And And since nobody lives forever, at least nobody that we know, would it be okay if we spend the next three episodes on the topic of, as we just kind of alluded to, organizing your affairs? Well, we're not really giving them an option, but well, that's true. Well, they could they could always click us off. But anyway, to be clear, we're not talking about extramarital affairs, which might make you even make this more entertaining. We're discussing the riveting topic of estate planning. Yay! So, yes. So, if you listen to all three of our pod classes on estate planning, are you going to understand everything there is to know? Of course not, but you're probably going to understand about 95 to, well, 96.2% of what you need to know to make an informed decision. And after that, having a discussion with us, either by phone or in person, we'll, we'll take care of that extra 3 or 4% that's still out there in uh, Never Never Land. I'm very interested to know how you got those statistics out, but anyway. <laughs> hey, do you remember, you ever heard that expression that 87.2% of all statistics are just made up? Uh, Maybe it's 87.6%. Anyway, we digress. Anyways, so just how much information do we have in store for you today? Well, we've allocated this pod class and the next two after so that you can understand how we can help you organize your affairs. Is this going to save you some money versus working with a local estate planning attorney on your own? It probably will. And depending on which attorney you're referring to, it may save you about $1,000 more or less. If you listen to our podcast number three, 
Do you recall what we said about organizing your investments versus organizing your affairs? It was that saving $1,000 on your estate planning documents is great. Kind of like Tony the Tiger says, right? Yes. We might get in trouble for that. I don't know if we're going to probably have to pay like a sponsorship for saying that. Is Tony the Tiger even still around? He Yeah. But, you know, in France, they call him Tony La Tiger. Do you know that? Oh, so. We so, oui, oui. we. Yeah. That's, Ar- that's Arnold Zippel, the pig. Sorry. Anyways, I digress. So anyways, saving $1,000 on your estate planning documents is great. Okay. And and we agree it's important, obviously, but the potential benefit from organizing your investments may be many times that amount if your overall performance can be improved by 2% per year. Right. Now, that may be possible depending on how your investments are currently being managed. So keep in mind that we're explaining a possible money-saving approach for estate planning because it's important, but it's not the most financially important thing that we have to share with you ultimately. Exactly. So back to a little topic about estate planning or organizing your affairs. Over the years, we've seen small things turn out to be big messes that can be really devastating to a family. Let's talk about Jack. He was a client of ours for decades. Very interesting individual, great storyteller. And he indicated to me once that he had a will where he left all of his $500,000 of real estate to his wife, Lucy. And they were together for years. And he also had a $50,000 IRA at our firm that she was also the beneficiary of. Now, for the record, as I understood it, the property that he owned was in his name only. So Jack died suddenly, which, I mean, I guess not to be funny, but don't doesn't everybody die suddenly? No, they just die eventually. But I started receiving phone calls after he passed from his wife, from Jack's wife, as well as Jack's daughter. And as this kind of played out, did Jack have a will that actually left everything to Lucy? He sure did, but unfortunately, it wasn't a valid will because he never got it properly witnessed. But that's a minor detail, but it makes the will invalid. So technically, his estate was going to be transferred according to Tennessee state law because he died without a will, which makes it an intestate estate, and it goes because of law or as of the rule of law. So since Lucy was his wife, you would think, well, she's going to end entitled to inherit a portion, at least, of the real estate according to Tennessee state law. Well, and that would be true if they had been husband and wife. Yes. Unfortunately, Jack and Lucy were never officially married, even though they told everybody that they were. So what does this mean? It means that Lucy was not entitled to any portion of this half million dollars worth of property, which also included the house they were living in. So what happens next? Well, Jack's daughter had basically her evicted, had Lucy evicted from the house, believe it or not, repossesses her car or just acquired it, maybe had it towed off. I don't know if it was a repossession. And and so Lucy now is basically homeless at the age of like 71. Her only inheritance is this $50,000 IRA that she got from Jack. And she died, not really related, I guess, to the finances, but she died about a year later. And it was a really sad situation. So is this how Jack wanted this thing to turn out after his passing? Absolutely not. But if he'd spent a few dollars on an attorney rather than taking a kind of a do-it-yourself approach for himself, the outcome would could have been totally different, completely different outlook, outcome. That's a really crazy story. Um, and so I know for those of you with children, have you ever told them a story like that and hope that they actually hear you? And not only that, actually understand you and believe what you're telling them. And as my 
dad's child. I know. (laughs) Yeah, I've I've, I've experienced that, Megan. It's my (laughs) oldest daughter. I know exactly what you're talking about. (laughs) That wasn't, that question wasn't for you. It was a rhetorical question to the listeners. But I still get the answer. So continue on. (laughs) That could be a whole nother podcast. That's true. There's several things we could do on that. Anyways, we we won't go there. We won't bore those people, these poor people with that. Anyways, since you may not know us very well, let's start off with a couple of things we believe we should all be able to agree on, okay? So would you agree that at some point you're probably going to pass away? Most people would say yes. If you don't say yes, then you need to be getting a patent on whatever this mystery solution is for staying alive forever, I guess, and not worry about calling us. Um, also, well, actually, I'd, like to, I'd actually like to hear about it. But oh, well, call, me for- call first, and then we'll help you get the patent and then invest all the money you're going to make on, right. <laughs> on that. Anyways, also, would you agree that you need to get your affairs in order? Hopefully, yes. That's a pretty important situation that um, everyone needs to deal with at some point, even if it's not something that you want to do. Would you agree you don't want to leave a mess for your family like Jack did? Hopefully the answer is yes. I don't know. Maybe you've got some people that you're mad at in your family and you're excited about leaving them a mess, but that's really sad. And that's a whole different situation um, that you would need to tackle. But the majority of us, yes, we don't want to leave our families in a messy situation. Also, would you prefer to spend less money to do this if possible? Surely everybody would answer yes to this, right? Nobody wants to pay more to do something or for something. Um, Also, would you prefer to use a local estate planning attorney for a flat fee versus hiring an attorney at an hourly rate? Again, I would think yes. Um, Everybody would love to save some money, right? So we're going to be addressing all of these yeses you probably or hopefully just said and explain how we can help and why we do things a certain way. Was it? Jack, a do-it-yourselfer, yes, he was, it sounds like, and that kind of bit him a little bit. Um, And it's fine, you know, if you're fixing your toilet um, or maybe some things around your house, but not such a good idea when a mistake can devastate the life of a family member. So now, do we have a process for helping you to get your affairs in order? Absolutely, we do. And our little steps have five in them, our little process. So would you like us to explain all this to you? Probably not, but we're going to anyway. And the reason is that you've said yes to all these questions, and because about half of everybody out there has not really done anything on their estate planning. Nothing, nada. And for the other half that actually has done something, a lot of what's already been done is either going to be wrong, incomplete, it's out of date, you don't know where the documents are. There's any number of issues out there. Now, if you happen to be that small percentage where you're 100% sure that everything is in perfect order, perfect shape, everything is all the I's are dotted and T's are crossed, do you need to listen to all this? Maybe not, but I bet you're actually going to learn something that you didn't know. So we hope you hang around. Now, will this help someone that maybe recently moved to Tennessee because you didn't like some state you're in? You know, it might, because sometimes estate planning documents may have some variations from state to state. And the attorney that we typically work with actually will review those documents for you to tell you if they are okay or they need some changes. And he'll do that for you without any cost or obligation if you're in a mood. All right. So I'm going to step in here and I'm going to actually tell you what the five steps are because surely you're wondering at this point, okay, tell me, what are they? Guess what? Good news. You're already doing step one. 
It's actually listening to this pod class and other pod classes that we have put together and will be putting together to educate yourself with some ideas and what may be the best option for you. Now, we're explaining what we do and why we do it. And again, we can't cover everything you need to know about estate planning in this one pod class. So we would ask that you listen to this one and the next two at least one time. Maybe you listen to it even twice if you've missed something or didn't fully understand um, what we were talking about the first time. I will say like, Listening to things multiple times, learning about something multiple times. We've talked about this in previous podcasts. That's actually called spiral learning. And it just helps you to consume what it is that you're learning about and digest it and to really, truly understand it a little more if you've listened to it a couple of times. So is there information on our website? Yes, there is. Good news for you again. You can go to theorganizedinvestor.com and on the affairs page, you'll see a link to something called the five-step process, which is what we're explaining right now. Now, this whole explanation that Megan just mentioned, this five-step process, all of this is going to make a lot more sense if you're either if you'll either one, print this sheet off right off of our website, or at least look at it maybe while you're listening to us, okay? Now, I know this may sound a little bit like you're in school, but that's why we refer to these as a pod class, right? We're trying to educate you to use your time efficiently. We don't want to waste your time. And this five-step process sheet that we're talking about, what is this? This is basically it's a step, it's a side-by-side explanation, if you will, of how of our role in helping you get your affairs in order versus what a flat fee attorney is going to be doing along the way in terms of his his process and his steps and he's going to be as his involvement. So is the attorney part of this entire process? You know, usually not. They're not on every step. And in fact, the attorney is usually only involved in step three and four, which is why they can charge a flat fee that is so drastically economic. Now, so what do we charge for helping you with our side of this little list? It's nothing. And to be more specific, let's put it this way. We don't receive any compensation related to you getting your estate planning documents in order, period. And that period has an explanation at the end of it. Also notice that we even have more things on our side of the list than the attorney does as far as our contribution to this whole process for you. Okay. So you're probably wondering, are some of these things on this list not going to apply to you? Sure, but most of it will, which is why we suggest you take a look at it. So listening to our pod classes is step one. That's pretty easy. You're doing it right now. And we're doing three pod classes in a row all on the topic of organizing your affairs to make this even easier for you to digest. So keep listening because there's more you need to know. Now, once you've become sufficiently educated about all of this, step number two is having a conversation with us. That's the really the fun part, Megan. You know that? Well, we'll let them be the judges of that. Okay. <laughs> As opposed to digging a ditch, it, it'll be a oh, good time. That's That's true. <laughs> Digging, though, is some good exercise. It could be. Anyways, if you're wondering what we're going to be talking about, that really depends on what you're concerned about. Now, that might sound a little vague, but there's actually a checklist on the affairs page of our website, and you can go on there, complete that online, and select any of the 50 different topics on the page to help us understand what your areas of concerns are. Now, maybe you have a special needs child you're concerned about. Or maybe you own a piece of property in another state, and that's a concern. That checklist is for you to complete, and it's going to help us understand what we need to discuss when you come in to meet with us. 
And, and on that same affairs page of our website, as Megan just mentioned, there's also a profile form. There's the checklist, but there's the profile form. You can also complete this online. And what this is for, this is to help summarize your family information. Like who's going to be in charge of the various little duties to like be your executor, your power of attorney, or maybe a trustee, all of those sorts of fun jobs. And and it'll also help you share your level of concern with us in terms of 17 different issues. I mean, things like, do you want to protect your family from predators, creditors, and divorce? That sounds pretty happy, doesn't it? Uh, you know, Do you want to take care of a special needs child, as Megan alluded to? Are you inclined to do charitable giving? Are you worried about avoiding probate? I mean, why not to make fun of this, but but we have people that want to just inherit their kids. And you know, you can tell us why. So it's et cetera, et cetera. These are the things that are on the profile form that you can start thinking about and help convey that information to us as we discuss all of this. And so actually both the checklist and the profile form are great starting points to help focus on what's most important to you and what needs to be discussed in these face-to-face meetings with us. A common talking point is actually a revocable living trust. Uh, Many people have questions about revocable living trusts and wonder, should they get a revocable living trust? And the answer that I have for you is maybe. And we'll cover the pros and cons in one of the three pod classes that we're going to talk about these issues on. But we explain some of the misconceptions people have on this subject and what the actual benefits may or may not be for you personally. So what's the overall purpose of this discussion that we're going to have with you? Well, it's to answer your questions and to help you understand more about this process, but also for us to understand your concerns and to summarize your information for the attorney that they're going to need to be able to put your package of documents together if you're willing to move forward with them in the process of doing so. It also is designed to save you hundreds of dollars in legal fees because we're not charging you by the hour for a long discussion we can have with you versus having that same chat with an attorney who's going to charge you mucho money by the hour versus a flat fee to prepare your documents. Exactly. Now, just remember that you're ultimately going to need to speak to the attorney who's going to help you make your final decision on which direction this goes, how the documents all need to be structured. But our discussion in step two is really kind of a much more casual in terms of explaining your options, tell us what you're worried about, kind of talk through some things. And you'll have questions about what if we did it this way versus that way, and we can we can help you explore some of that. When do you have to make a decision to work with the attorney? Well, you know, at some point you have to make a decision. And, and usually after having a meeting with us, most people are going to say, you know, I've gotten this far, let's keep going and, and go ahead and get this taken care of. Now, is having an actual meeting with us better than, say, a chat with us over the telephone? Yes, it is mucho better. In fact, virtually every time I have started off with a discussion with somebody over the phone, it usually evolves into them saying something like, you know, I just need to come in and talk to you. This is having a discussion over the phone is fine, but it's hard to cover everything like that. So I just need to sit down and talk face to face. And how long does this little meeting last with us? You know, it can be anywhere from an hour. We've had them last four hours. It, it really depends, you know, of course, on how complicated your situation is, you know, how much we get talk going down other, another rabbit paths about talking about other things, how chatty everybody gets. But usually one to two hours is usually a pretty average time that we spend with people to kind of understand your situation and get that written down on paper to convey that to the attorney. That's right. That's, that's about accurate. I'd say, unless like we just go off course completely because. Yeah, it can happen. <laughs> Telling stories and stuff, which can be fun too. We yeah. told you it was going to be fun to meet with us, right? We're it not going to 
bore you with all the all the affair stuff the entire time you're here. I think entertaining is even an understatement. I think it's just <laughs> we should be charging for entertaining them. Ex- exactly. Just exactly. kidding. Just kidding. Um, again, these meetings with us are no obligation and they are free. Another question you might have is, are we going to provide you with any sort of other resources in this meeting, any other printed information? And yes, we will. We actually have a 60-page organized investor workbook that we would typically hand out at our live workshop, but we'll provide that for you um, when you come in to meet with us. We just talked about this. Um, Some people will ask, is there a cost or an obligation for this step two meeting? No, not even if we're entertaining you. Actually, we might need to, we might need to pay you to come in and sit with us to hear our bad jokes. Right. Um, but we there is no cost, no obligation. Um, again, the whole process, us helping you with this process, is free of cost to you. So you're probably wondering, okay, are we really this nice to help you for free? And I would say, yes, we are. <laughs> In fact, we're actually nicer than this, but we'll get into that later. We can talk about that at the meeting. (laughs) You're you're just saying that because it's true. Now, now for the 23rd or 24th time, I don't know how many times we'll say this in these pod classes. Again, we don't receive any compensation for helping you to get your estate planning documents in order. However, we do have a few ground rules we'd ask you to follow, kind of like if you get on the the ride at the fair or something. So don't stand up, you know, try to not... Keep your hands inside the car, that sort of thing. But we're going to ask you nicely, even with a little please in front of it. So some of our ground rules we would ask you to follow. One, please show up if, you know, when we set aside time for you to try to show up and kind of be there relatively on time. Please try to bring the information with you that's listed on the back of that five-step process sheet or profile sheet. Actually, it's on the process sheet. And you can even upload that information to us on the link from our website if you prefer. Uh, Also, please ponder about the various topics on the back of the what to consider section. And that's on the back of that, again, that five-step process sheet. These are things that you're going to have to decide about. They're they're your decisions, not ours. We can talk with you about them, but give those some thoughts because they're things that you're ultimately going to have to decide on. And we're offering, again, to help you without any cost, any obligation. So just do it this way. And I'll ask this nicely. Please be respectful of our time, respectful of our time, because we're trying to focus and help people who are actually serious about this. If you, I mean, if you really are kind of still iffy about, do I want to do this or not? Just wait and call us when you're ready. Okay. Because we're not going to, we're not going to, we're not here to talk you into this. Um, most people know they need to do this and you need to come to grips whether you're going to either do it or not. And that's when we want to help you. That's right. And so after he's discussed all that, another question that you might have is, you know, what information is the attorney ultimately going to receive once we are finished with this initial meeting? And um, what we try to do is we try to summarize everything discussed in the meeting, along with anything that you've provided us as well, um, any sort of uh maybe former wills or trust documents that could help with the process. Um, we can send all of this information to the attorney with your current documents, and they're going to review these for free. Just because your documents were created in another state doesn't necessarily mean that they have to be redone. So just something to be um, mindful of. And that's what their attorney is going to tell you and look at that document um, and review that for free. So it's very important if you already have these current documents, 
to go ahead and bring those with you so that we can hand those over to the attorney and let that attorney review those for you for free. You know, one, th- one thing keep keep in mind as we do this, uh, as Megan and I were saying, we have no financial interest in whether you you redo your documents, whether you do a trust, do a will, any of that sort of thing. I, I would say that if you think about documents you've already got in place and if they can be slightly edited or corrected and updated, that may actually be cheaper. You know, the attorney won't charge you as much money. It might be a simpler situation for you to do. But you just, we have to talk you through that and talk to the attorney and say, okay, how much is it going to cost to fix the documents versus just starting from scratch? Okay. We tell the story in the live workshop. Do you remember when a TV was, was worth so much money that you, it would break and you'd actually fix it? Now what you do is you try to find a dumpster somewhere and you go buy another one for $500 and, and, and not try to go back and fix the problems out there. So that's something that we can talk to you about. Sometimes people say, you know, it's not a lot of money. It's, it's an economical just to start from scratch. Let's just do that. So anyway, having a meeting with us, is this going to be a painful experience? I don't think, I don't think we want to know the answer to that. I can't <laughs> well, believe you. I'd, well, I'd say, well, I know they're thinking it, Megan, even though they won't say it, but I'd say, we hope not. You know, we hope it won't be painful. You know, and usually people, this is one of these topics that it will haunt you. Okay. Many times in my life, I needed to do something and I, and I didn't do it. I kept putting it off and I thought, you know, I could have, I could have dealt with this a long, you know, a lot easier than letting it kind of stay in my, in my mind for the back of my mind for years. Cause I never got it done. So talking about this actually is kind of, it's kind of um, maybe liberating if you will. Now we only do these meetings with us. We only do like no more than one of these a day. Usually we'll only do maybe two or three even in a week because we have other things to take care of. And we would suggest starting this meeting around 10 a.m. That's Eastern time because we're in Eastern time. Because by usually around noon, we've talked about all this for a couple of hours. We're getting kind of cranky. We need something to eat. So usually we'll move to Aubrey, to our Aubrey's restaurant, which is our favorite restaurant right next door. And we don't get paid for mentioning that. But anyway, that's probably what we we would suggest. So we think that that's, Pretty much everything about step two, the meeting with us, the discussion with us that you need to, that you need to have, that you need to know. And it's really there just to answer your questions and for us to understand your situation. I don't think you realize it, but you called Aubrey's our, our Aubrey's, our restaurant. I don't oh. think that just because we eat there every day, it's now, now ours. I'm sure, I'm sure the owner of Aubrey's would love to know that we are silent partners in his. Business. Well, we certainly contributed enough to pay his <laughs> his rent for many months. Uh, That's we've, true. We've eaten That's a lot of meals there. A lot of meals. So I guess we can call it our Aubrey's. All right. So moving on to step number three. So step three is actually the first step where the attorney is involved. And with the information we've provided them, they also need to have a discussion with you. So let's talk about this discussion. Now, You're probably wondering, but do I have to have an actual meeting with the attorney? Well, no, you don't have to, but they do have an obligation of some due diligence with you. And so the attorney is going to want to speak with you if you want them to help you ultimately with your documents. This can be done over the phone and it's very simple. It's not something that um, is going to take a ton of time. And a lot of people do have a conversation over the phone. So that's totally fine. When should it be a face-to-face meeting, though? Because there are those situations where things are more complicated. And so we would suggest that if your situation lends to being a little more 
in depth or complicated or complex, if you will, we would suggest that you would meet with the attorney in person before you start the process, just to ensure that everything is going to be taken care of efficiently on the front end. And and maybe you just have an interest to meet the attorney to get to know them face-to-face a little bit if you prefer. So how long does this discussion with the attorney last? You know, if it's face-to-face, 30 minutes to an hour. I mean, it can be pretty speedy. Uh, Talking over the phone is probably going to be a little quicker. And and just keep in mind that the flat fee they're going to charge is not any different whether you decide to have a chat by phone or meet them in person doesn't affect the cost in any way. It's just really kind of your preference on what you want to do and kind of based upon how complicated your situation is that that Megan just mentioned. So will the attorney, will the meeting with the attorney be as much fun as with us? Absolutely not. Now, they can tell you some lawyer stories. In fact, one attorney we've got will tell you the story about his cat that he represented that was a kind of a product of a trust, which is a pretty funny story. We think We think you're going to have a better time with us for whatever that's worth. And in fact, sometimes the attorney will actually join us at our arboreys for lunch, which can even be your in your discussion, your little due diligence chat with them. I mean, if you want to, if, if sometimes he'll show up if he if it kind of fits into his schedule, and we'll, and we'll usually buy him lunch because we're we're just that nice, aren't we? <laughs> I guess, <laughs> or he just wants to come over and hear all of our great jokes and yeah, how, how just, funny we are. He misses us or whomever shows up. It's, You just never know what's going to happen around here. So anyways, after you've had a chat with the attorney, what's next? What's going to happen then? So at that point, the attorney will be in the position to either draft your documents starting from scratch, just beginning from in the beginning, or edit your existing documents. And again, that's a more economical solution, but it's also something that the attorney is going to have to give you guidance on. He's going to review any existing documents you have, if you will bring those with you to the meeting, like we asked, and he will then suggest whether or not to start from scratch or that those edits can actually and revisions can actually be made to your current documents. And, and, and let me just interject here that if you don't have any documents and some people haven't, I mean, they're 70 years old, they've never done anything. That's fine. I mean, it's just that if you spend a bunch of money and time and effort to have done documents in the past and you want to have him look at them to see if they can be edited and updated, they will. Okay. So back to you, Megan. Right. Um. So once he has decided to either start from scratch or to prepare your doc or revise your documents, if you will, you're probably wondering, okay, do I get to review them before I sign them? Of course you do. Once they're completed by the attorney, they're going to send them to you for review and you can let them know if there's anything that, you know, you see on there that you would want to be changed, edited, revised, whatever word you want to use there, if you will. Sometimes the documents have gone back and forth actually several times with the attorney to make sure it's worded correctly. And that's fine. There's not like an additional charge for going back and forth that in that way. There have occasionally been times when the documents have even been edited actually right before they've been signed. Something has been caught and there's been a change that's been needed to be made right before they've been signed. So I'll just say all that just to give you peace of mind that every situation is different. And so the attorney is going to handle your situation um, in a manner that is best for you. So having a chat with the attorney, that's step number three. You're listening to an Organized Investor Pod Class, which makes up our College of Knowledge. Your hosts are Megan Hubbard and her favorite father, Jerry Goodman. You'll benefit most by listening to at least 12 pod classes. 
And the best way to be reminded is to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Moving on to step number four was where you actually meet. We all meet together, us and the attorney and yourself, to sign the documents. And it's really the only other step where the attorney is always involved. So how does this work? Well, let's say we either meet at our office or the office of the attorney. It doesn't really matter. It usually takes 30 minutes. You do need to bring your signatures with you. Otherwise, we don't have anything to witness and notarize unless you sign them. When finished, the executed documents, they're going to be scanned. And you'll either get them then or we may need to scan them at a later time and give them to you at a little later meeting. It just kind of depends on that situation. What else does the attorney do in in this step number four? Usually the only thing left for them at that point is they're going to go and record any deeds that you've created if if you happen to be using a revocable living trust. Because if you're going to use the trust, and we're going to talk about in, in these podcasts or pod classes that the house, your properties, one or more properties, need to be retitled and owned by the trust to make all this kind of the way it's supposed to operate. Right. And so maybe a question that people are having right now or thinking about is, you know, what does that cost? Is there a cost that is associated with that? And there is. Um, The cost is usually about $200 per deed. So if you have one property to go into a trust, the cost is going to be about $200. Um, if you had two properties, it would be $400. You understand the math here, I'm sure. I won't keep going. This is usually the only cost that will be in addition to the flat fee that, that tr- the attorney is going to charge you for preparing your documents. So another question that comes to mind often for people is what happens if you need to change something in the future? And any attorney that focuses on estate planning should be able to help you. Again, the cost is just going to be an hourly rate that they would charge you for those professional services to make those revisions. And and one other add-on comment I make about what Megan was describing about the deeds. When we started doing this with these attorneys years ago, over a decade ago, we asked them, we said, let's kind of keep the base cost of this as low as we can. And if somebody has one property, then they just need to worry about retitling that one property. And and don't load in or, or add in a bunch of, of work that may not apply to somebody else. So it's kind of a la carte. So if someone has 10 properties, they're the ones that need to pay for each of those 10 deeds that have to retitle all of them. We thought that was the fair way to do it. If someone only, usually people are only going to have one property, which is the house they're living in normally. So they're really only responsible for paying for retitling that one property. As we go through this process, does that flat fee attorney, do they ever contact you in the future? And the answer is, yeah. I mean, they'll probably send you a follow-up letter in about three years, and they're going to remind you to contact them if something has changed, either materially or something that you know you feel like just needs to be edited. Or you can always contact them before or a different attorney if you want to, if something needs to be done. Now, in the interest of saving a little bit, a postage stamp, maybe you want to bring your checkbook with you and you can, when you execute all the documents in step four, you can go ahead and write the attorney a check for their fee if you want to. Uh, Some people don't carry checkbooks, so it wouldn't hurt to have that. And again, we've said this over and over. What do we charge for step four or for any of these steps? We don't charge anything for the 25th time. We're here to help you with the process. We don't receive any compensation. We do our best to be nice. We do have our little ground rules to follow so that we can be efficient with our time and help people who actually want to go through the process and be helped. And then after step four, which is, you know, the executing the documents, the attorney, other than the, they're retitling the property, they're usually pretty much finished at that point. That's right. And so that being said, we get to move on to the last step, the final step, step 
five, which is the step that we call the housekeeping step. Now, <laughs> this doesn't have anything to do with cleaning windows and floors. So don't worry, you're, we're, we're not going to have you. Or toilets. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we're not going to have you up at our office like Windexing things, we promise. And so let's dig into what this actually means. And because it does sound kind of janitorial. Um, and is it important? Yes, it is. It is very important. So in fact, we're going to be very detailed in explaining this entire five step process. And frankly, if you ignore this step, the housekeeping step, much of what you've done up to this point may be a complete waste of time and money. You might be wondering, is there a charge for this step? Not by us. So if you choose to have the attorney help you, they're going to charge you their normal hourly fee to help you with what you can do with them that could be rather simple but time-consuming little jobs, but they fact, can take care of them for a flat fee. If you want to. Well, the, the document Not a flat, a flat fee. fee. Right. Flat. Yeah, and if and if you want to involve them for you know uh, the housekeeping part of it, they will be happy to charge you for that on an hourly rate. Now, if you're wondering how much would that be, well, I mean, it's like everything kind of. It's like it just depends. It depends on your situation. Keep in mind this: most attorneys are going to probably charge between two to three hundred dollars an hour. I mean, I know some that are much more than that. I know some that perhaps are a little less. But you do the math, okay? In a nutshell, it can be a rather expensive little process. And if you start paying an attorney by the hour to help you with all that, it's really just kind of up to you. And you may be thinking, well, how much work is there to do this? Well, again, it kind of depends on your situation. On the five-step summary process that we have on there, you know, we have that little side-by-side -side comparison. At the bottom is step five. It's the housekeeping step. We have 17 individual uh, topics in there that at one point, and a time we've, you know, we've dealt with that in the past. For example, if you've got accounts or you have real estate spread all over creation, we can be pretty involved to get these things organized so that you don't leave a huge complicated mess for your family. And at some point, you're probably going to wonder if we're the appropriate people to help you with these housekeeping steps. Now, I would say if you were going to base that decision on what my dad's garage can sometimes look like, I would say no. <laughs> Oh, that was that was that was mean, Megan. <laughs> <laughs> that would what? be garage. That would be garage keeping, wouldn't it? I, well, that's true. Okay. Yeah, okay, I got you on the technicality. Okay. Okay. So we certainly think so, though, in terms of the housekeeping that we would be doing for you with organizing your affairs, and in fact, we're in a position to do the things in house here in our office that other professionals cannot do. I'll just kind of run through some of those so you have an idea of what those um, housekeeping things are that we can help you with. We have the experience with and access to securities processing through our broker-dealer, Prospera Financial in Dallas. Um, we can do actual account retitling to conform to some somebody that's using like a revocable living trust, for example. Um, we can do account consolidation to organize and simplify things for your family. We can do a beneficiary audit to make sure accounts are left to the correct person. We can do insurance policy reviews. We can coordinate things between yourself, your tax advisor, and your legal advisor for a more... Um, coordinated approach, if you will, to getting you organized. And, you know, I could sit here and go on and on with this list, but um, these are just some that come to mind that are pretty important right off the bat. And in case, in case you're wondering, you know, if you don't appreciate, let's put it this way, the importance of this step, you know, just what can really go wrong if you don't pay attention to the housekeeping step, this can even be a longer list. 
For example, let's say if you have a piece of property and it's not owned by, say you have a revocable living trust and it, it's not titled in the name of the trust, when the last owner dies, it's going to have to go through the probate process, which is what many people are trying to avoid. Not everybody, but a lot of people. Because in Tennessee, for example, you can't designate a beneficiary on a piece of property like you can in some states, but not in this one. So that's an example of something that will force you to go through probate. And if you miss it, it's going to cause a problem that maybe you were trying to avoid. Even a bigger problem, if you have a piece of property in another state, it's going to have to, and it's going to have to go through probate when that second person passes away. And and not only does it go through probate, it's going to have to have a second, an attorney in that other state to go through. This is what is referred to as ancillary probate. It could be very expensive and a huge aggravation for your family because now you're paying for maybe an attorney here, but also an attorney out of state to deal with these things third party. Uh, if you have an account or a, a bank account or a brokerage account that's in your name only that doesn't have a beneficiary associated with it, you know, that may force your estate to go through the probate process. And a really big thing, if you have beneficiary designations that are just wrong, okay, I've got an example in my mind of something where the beneficiary is wrong. It actually went to an ex-spouse. There's nothing that can be done about that to correct that after you've passed away, unless state law might go in and remedy it. But usually it's not the case. Beneficiary designations almost always trump everything else that goes on. Yeah, that can be a big mess. Some other things that I was thinking about as you were talking, one of the things that we don't see very often are physical stock certificates. Most people don't have a physical stock certificate, but they do still exist. Maybe they are squirreled away in a safety deposit box or your desk drawer. If there is one that you have, it's going to require your estate to go through probate, which again, that's what people are trying to avoid. Also, improper ownership of assets can actually result in losing possible income tax benefits within the category of the step-up in basis at death. The downside can potentially be large tax benefits that could have been avoided. I mean, they could literally be, in that regard, to Megan's point, in the hundreds of thousands of dollars. And a lot of people may, you may never have heard the term, but it is a huge, huge issue that most people are not aware of, but they need to, they need to be. Yes, definitely, because your family members will be very happy that you thought through that and they are not um, having to deal with the tax issues later down the road because it wasn't thought of on the front end. Also, not having the actual signed will after your passing means you don't have a valid will and your assets will actually transfer according to Tennessee state law. Look, I mean, we could go on all day with this, but it's very simple little things like this that can go wrong. And this is why we're telling you that the housekeeping step is really important. So when you consider how much aggravation and expense you can cause for your family, is it worth it to save a few dollars by doing this yourself on the internet? Not likely. It really isn't. And you know what? You might not even save any money by doing it online. It actually just depends. And and to Megan's point, we're going to discuss the next podcast or pod class, what it actually costs for these packages. It is so economical that it's it's virtually, in some situations, it's about the same, maybe slightly more than doing this online through something like LegalZoom.com. Look, this whole housekeeping step relates to what a lot of people would refer to as ounce of prevention versus pound of cure. 
because a lot of this stuff is a whole lot easier to avoid on the front end than trying to fix it after someone's passed away. So here's a good example of someone of, of a client we had or had named Tony. He passed away a couple of years ago. Now, I started first working with Tony back in 2005, and he showed me the paperwork for a revocable living trust that he had created when he lived up north. And so we're doing kind of a housekeeping review of everything. And then, and I noticed that Tony's house was still in his name and had not been tr- transferred into the name of his trust. Now, somewhere along the way, Tony was under the impression that, no, the house went into the trust after he passed away. It was one of those automatic sort of things. And he was just adamant that this is the way it was supposed to be. And I'm saying, Tony, the, 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 the trust, it needs to be in the trust before you pass away. Otherwise, it's gonna, going to have to go through probate. Which, you know, is what he was trying to avoid. I mean, I literally had to have him speak to an attorney because he didn't believe what I was telling him was correct, which basically tells you just how sure he was about this. So the miscommunication with Tony was either, I don't know, is Tony's fault or the, or the, the Tony's fault or the attorney's fault didn't really matter. But either way, this is what can occur if you don't understand what needs to be done and or have someone kind of involved in the process overseeing some of these pesky little housekeeping steps. The attorney drew up the documents, sent him on, on his way from way back when the documents were first created, and it never got accurately communicated down to Tony that the house needs to be owned by the trust. Now, I don't want to sound braggadocious about this next statement. But I will say that virtually every time that we review something where people have things in place, we're going to find any number of things that probably should be corrected. Maybe they don't have to be, but they probably could be or, or need to be. And, and some of the problems can be you know, pretty minor, but a lot of these things are important and they have tax implications. And again, every once in a great while, we'll find everything in perfect order, but that's really kind of the exception, not the case, not 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 the norm. So even if you didn't think you wanted to hear about our five-step process, which, come on, who doesn't want to hear about our five-step process? Do you feel massively smarter after digesting all of it? Remember that we're not even finished explaining everything yet. It's taken us years to have the knowledge and the process in place to help you with this. So it appears we might know just a little bit about what we're doing, hopefully, okay? We we certainly hope so. If you decide to let us help you with this five-step process, will you be pleased with the end result? Well, we think so. We hope so. We, we know so. <laughs> and, and once again, why is this so economical? It's because the attorney is usually only involved in two of this five steps. Step three, when they have a chat with you and they're going to prepare the documents. And step four, when they actually are present when you sign the documents. You know, we're there through the entire fire step process that offer complimentary assistance. Step one are the pod classes. Step two, we're going to have a chat with you and summarize your information and your situation for the attorney. And step five, if you want us to help you, we'll take you through the housekeeping process, cover all those issues to make sure all your I's are dotted and your T's are crossed. And why are we volunteering our time to help you? Well, number one, we're trying to be nice people by minimizing the time the attorney has to spend which reduces the fee they have to charge you, okay? So it's kind of two-step. Like, we enjoy this. We enjoy meeting with people. We kind of find it as part of our mission and our practice. And we know that we can help people save money and get their affairs in order so that they can rest easy knowing that their families are not going to be left in a mess down the road um, upon passing. Also, we'll discuss the cost in the next pod class, Um but you can find a local attorney to do something comparable for the same amount 
Maybe. I don't know. Um, We doubt it. Also, do you have to become a client for us to help you? Absolutely not. But once you understand our process of organizing your investments, you'll understand why many people um, actually do end up becoming our clients. So really, our only requirement is to be respectful of our time. And as we asked earlier, we just want to focus on people who are serious about getting their issues in order. So how do you learn the rest of what you need to know to get your affairs in order? Well, obviously, listen to the next two pod classes, and we're going to be, we're going to be covering things like the cost of the two options with that flat fee attorney. In other words, to do it with a will or also include maybe a revocable living trust. We're going to talk about how to protect your family from predators, creditors, divorce. We're going to talk about, you know, can you protect your home's value if you happen to go into a nursing home? We're going to talk about the pros and cons of a revocable living trust and why it may not be the best option for you, even though, and regardless of what your friend or family member or maybe next door neighbor has told you. And what are the other options that you have to organize your affairs other than us helping you? So here we are at the end of our class period, and we are thankful that you joined us for pod class number four. We would ask that you hit the subscribe button on your player to be reminded of the future episodes that we've spoken about today. We also would ask that you follow us on social media, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, YouTube, We are there. Also, our pod classes are an effective and efficient way to explain how we can help you organize your investments, your retirement, and your affairs. And we would ask that you please listen to a number of our pod classes to help educate yourself with our approach. And at that point, we can have a chat to understand your situation and see if working together might be a good fit. And I would have to think that this has been the most informative podcast about estate planning you've listened to all week, right? Megan, it might even be all month. <laughs> or all day. Yeah. <laughs> all something. <laughs> Surely you would say yes to that question. I hope so. And if, if you don't say yes, don't tell us. <laughs> I know. And don't, and if the joke goes, don't call me Shirley. <laughs> uh, Anyways, in the interim, feel free to contact with us with any questions that you have regarding any of this information that we've talked about today. Thanks for listening. And class is dismissed. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of the organized investor or TN Wealth Management. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only and is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Opinions expressed are subject to change without notice and are not intended as investment advice or solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning or before making any investment decision. And please consult legal or tax professionals for specific information regarding your individual situation. The organized investor cannot accept trade or account instructions on or through this platform. Please contact us directly at contact us at tnwealthmanagement.com or 865-415-2060 to place a trader for trade or account related questions. Brokerage and advisory services are provided by TN Wealth Management through Prospera Financial Services Inc. Member FINRA SIPC. The organized investor is a brand name operated by TN Wealth Management for educational platform purposes.